Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome back to it. It is another Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show in the middle of summer. It's Ian Mendes. It's Julian McKenzie. And uh, two of us are doing this. Right on the heels. Did you listen, by the way, to the Friday show with Haley Salvian and Sean Gentilly? Did you listen? I I listen. I try to listen to the other episodes, you know, from time to time, just to make sure. A, I love listening to them, but B, just to know what they've been if they if they've been talking smack about us. But they talking about us. Yeah. Well, me in particular. I so. The Friday show, Haley and. Why would they talk smack about you, Ian? You're like the nicest person. Hang on, though. But there's a twist because they got a question in their mailbag show Friday saying if the athletic hockey show hosts, all the different co-hosts, were put in a survivor-style competition, who would emerge victorious? And Haley Salvian punted me out pretty quickly, claiming that I would be so fr- I would be overly friendly, making too many alliances. And then I would be exposed. So I'd be out. She said by episode three or four, I'd be out. She put Corey Pronman out in episode one, claiming that she has never seen Pronman outside. <laughs> so, so she was just taking runs at us, at all of us. That's wild. Yeah. Sorry, so, so Pronman out, you're out. What about me? Um, I can't. So... I can't, like I think one of the I think Haley said that Sean McIndoe would be the winner. Okay. Uh, another, at one point, Gentilly actually backed me, which I appreciated. Yeah. Um, but they didn't go through every everybody. Like I, I think that's kind of how they I, I, they they talked about your ball hockey teams wow. that you set up. But anyway. Wow. Okay. All right. So they didn't. I I either I they don't wrong. think I do a I, good job on Survivor, or they yeah. just exclude me from the competition entirely. Okay, they, they punted us. I, I, they I they didn't have us emerging victorious, is what I'll say. I, clearly, they, there's something within me that uh, they don't think I have what it takes. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. 
I, yeah. I don't know. I, I put Haley on on my team for the the ball hockey thing. I ended up putting together, which Ian, I could tell that you're still very upset. I'm sorry that I excluded you and Sean. You did. Of it. Yeah. I did. I did not take into account your uh, your proficiency in the sport and the in the championship experience that you have. But from 1997, from 1997, mind you. But <laughs> but. It's the future is now, man. The future is now. Having Scott and Dom and Haley, and I get I have Arpin and, and Myrtle too, but that's neither here nor there. I think we have a pretty good team. So, I, yeah, I, I think I think I, Penny, you could be an alternate. I, I'll be an alternate. You'd totally be a good alternate. You could alternate yeah. for um, I think Dan Robson's our goalie for this. So like you could you could totally back him up and say like he like pull a muscle or something you could come in at like the halfway mark or so you're we still need your expertise we can still make it work robson's almost in my age bracket there's no if when you're talking about <laughs> pulling muscles yeah but do you have but do you have a hockey db page do you have an elite prospect i don't not, not like Dan robson. robson i don't because no, has one i think i have a wikipedia I, I have a wikipedia page or at least i used you have to a wikipedia page so that 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 is as close to hockey db as i'm gonna get when you look through uh, the alumni of your high school, can you find your name there? Are you like that? You're, you should be that famous, right? I. That's a good question. I went to Matthew McNair High School in Richmond, British Columbia, which is a suburb of Vancouver. Uh, nobody else. I, I wouldn't say it was a super. It's not one of like, did you have anybody from your high school that kind of made it big anywhere? Like in any. So- I have a friend who um, did the voice of DW from Arthur. Oh my God! Seriously? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was like a kid who was like that's uh, maybe mega. two or three that's years huge. like younger than me, and they've since gone on to do like like brand, like having bit parts in like TV shows and movies. But like their claim to fame was that when they were super younger, at least their initial claim to fame was that when they were super younger, uh, they did the, they were one of the many people who ended up being a voice of North. Is it? Is it? Dora Winifred, Dora Winifred from uh, Arthur. That DW. Uh, DW. See, now what you've done is just by saying that, and now I have the Arthur theme song tattooed <laughs> in my brain, and it just comes out. And it's so catchy, and it's so good. There's not a better theme song to a kid show than Arthur. Ooh. You want to start a Monday off? Drop Ooh. that into your – just just play it, and you're going to feel good about everything, right? Everything just feels good. And I say, hey, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. Is that actually the undisputed goat of theme songs for kids shows? Yes. What? Tell me what else is in the running, and I'll. Sesame Street. Yeah. How Sesame Street are ranked up up there. That yeah, that's old school. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's old school, but like that that generations of of kids and kids at heart could. Scoop. Now we're gonna get some young parents who are gonna drop in some Paw Patrol references. I'm gonna be like, Paw I don't Patrol. know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I'm not a parent, so I'm not up to date on all the cool young kid shows now. I can only think of like the shows I watched when I was a kid, like Roly Poly Holy. Yeah, remember Roly Poly? Actually, also. I would, if we're going to do this properly, to put together like a, a bracket. Can you tell there's nothing to talk about in the NHL? No, we have, we have tons to this? talk about. We have tons to talk about. No, man. We, we, if we're going to do this right, we have to set down some guidelines. 
Okay. You know what? You're going to have to take this. This is a great Twitter poll. Yes. Set it up. I'm going to do it now. Set it up. Now? We're doing a podcast now. How can you do yeah. I mean, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can get back to it on the next episode or something like Yeah. You set it up on Twitter and set up a showdown of like the best eight theme songs. I think Arthur comes out. Arthur's the one seed coming into this tournament. Okay. Like I'm I'm literally going to put up the tweet as I'm literally writing the tweet as we speak. Okay. And like, once it's up, I'll make sure you're tagged in it. And then you just give me a retweet. We'll amplify it. And then for next week's episode, We'll we'll try to get the bracket going. Yeah, people will be like, "What are you talking about? What are you guys doing?" No, but we do have. Why a are you guys talking about like? I don't know. What's a? Why isn't Eric Carlson traded yet? No, we're not going to do Carlson, but we are going to say happy birthday and congratulations to Connor Bedard. Hey, uh, congratulations! Turn, happy birthday to him. Yeah, that was so well said. I said, you know, it's time to say congratulations and happy birthday to Connor Bedard. And you're like, congratulations and happy birthday. I love it. <laughs> See, we're on the same, we're on the same page. I love it. Uh, so Bedard turns 18 oh, today, and Chicago rewards him with his entry-level contract. And Scott Powers had this information up uh first thing in the morning. And they said that they look, they they knew they were gonna sign him, and they thought, why not just wait till the kid turns 18? Do it on his 18th birthday. It's kind of cool, it's neat. My question for you. And for the listeners, this okay. This has got to be Connor Bedard's best birthday ever, right? You you sign a million, you know, multi million dollar contract. What's your best birthday ever? What's Julian McKenzie's best birthday ever? The best birthday I've ever had. Um, So a few years ago, um, my sister's surprise. Like we've we've tried to make a habit of trying to surprise each other for our birthdays. And uh, my sisters and a group of friends, um, they basically <laughs> they basically booked out this like movie theater hall. Um, uh, for those in Montreal, I remember the Dollar Cinema. And after I finished work, I met up with one of my sisters for a quick dinner, and we were supposed to go watch this movie. And we go to the Dollar Cinema to go watch this movie, and we're sitting in the the, the theater and everything we're sitting somewhere near the back or whatever and they're playing a trailer for one of these movies and at one point like i'm like watching this trailer and i'm like this this trailer seems kind of weird the editing's kind of weird and then all of a sudden they start showing these like photos and videos with me and i'm like why are all these random people in this movie theater watching all these this video footage of me this is super weird and then eventually it shows it's like they're saying happy birthday then the lights come on and this entire movie theater hall just has all of my friends in it. Um, oh my like, God. That's yeah. such a great dude. And you know, what was crazy oh. after that. You know what we actually did after that? As soon as I was done, um, we played uh, coming to America. So everyone in the movie theater, we all just watched coming to like the original coming to America movie. And we just, that's basically how we just spent it. We'd spent the night. Like we just, all hung out, all caught up, and we were all just watching a movie. It's, it's the okay, greatest. Well, I'm, not, I'm not topping yeah. this one. Like no, that is that's a really good one. My sisters, my family did a really good job on that one. So I was really when awesome. you go in, like you're not looking around at other people to to realize that hey, that's my buddy. That's like I guess when you go into a movie theater, you eh, it's dark. You're not really necessarily paying attention oh. to. No, and like it just it didn't cry. like it's it's like you're it's one thing to think like okay, like you're watching this trailer with your whole life on it, and you're thinking okay, well. Maybe you catch on wise to it. Like, okay, maybe your friends are. I didn't catch on wise. I legit thought I was in a movie theater and these random people were just in it 
like probably like who is this julian guy and why are we watching this trailer it only hit me when the lights came on like oh my god like and like the friends that were in there i'm talking about like high school friends university friends i had elementary school friends who i hadn't seen in like years who were there it would just surprise me for my birthday it was it was a really special time i really enjoyed it it was really fun it was it's the best birthday i've ever had man see i'm not gonna top that because <laughs> my birthday my birthday is like right after christmas like it's yeah. between christmas and new year right in between on the 28th so i often get it's you get lumped in right like everything all happens but for me it was the like the best because i used to get combined gifts as oh, a kid. You're one of those. But, but it's a double-edged sword right because on one hand you're like oh man like i only get one gift flip side it's usually a bigger gift, better gift, right? Like, so it's the it's a great question. Would you rather have two kind of medium-sized gifts or one super gigantic gift? And I, I you know, ended up getting the super uh, gigantic one. Best one for me, though, of all time was getting the OG Nintendo system. Like oh. the original one, okay? With yeah. Blades of Steel. The hockey game. The original hockey okay. game. Okay, I've never played Blades of Steel. Okay. We made a huge mistake. Because you were just at my house last week for the infamous <laughs> Athletic Hockey Show podcast uh, barbecue. Sean McIndoe, you, me, Sarah Jean Mayer, who uh, uh, works with us as an editor, were there. I have the Nintendo system in my basement. We could have played original. Could have been playing that. Oh, my God. We could have had a I, I would have loved to see you play uh, against Sean and I in Blades of Steel. Maybe, maybe you would win. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I'm only now starting to become like a video game person. Like during the pandemic, I bought a, a Nintendo Switch and like I even brought it with me when I went back home out east. And like I'm only now like slowly starting to like tap into like playing video games like, like full time. So like maybe I probably would have been trash at it, but like I brought, might not have been completely trash. But also, so like getting to play on the OG Nintendo system would have been like amazing. Oh, it's so. so the game of Blades of Steel, if you've never seen it, never played it, uh, yeah. it was a little bit ahead of its time in that if you played a game of uh, Blades of Steel and the game ended in a tie, 5-5 at the end of regulation, it would go to a shootout. Oh. And, and yes, they were ahead of its time. In like 1989, this thing was like, let's put a shootout. And I think it was a five-round shootout. and. If you you had to try and score more goals than your buddy. And anyway, so the weird thing, though, on Blades of Steel is um, there was fighting in the game. As you can imagine, it's the late 80s. There's fighting. Here's the caveat. Yeah. The person who lost the fight would go to the penalty box. The winner stayed. So that team would be penalized. And the referee would straight up drag the player who's been knocked down <laughs> and drag him into the penalty box. That's how it worked. What if, like, you know, if you really think about it, isn't that actually a way to disincentivize fighting in the game? What if you just had it that, like, the loser of the fight just ended but, up going to the penalty box and took a penalty? Determined by who? Was there, like, a scoring system now with three judges putting up? I, like, how do you determine who loses the fight? I mean, we're at a point now where, like, I mean, I get it's not a perfect system, but, like, if you fall to the ice first... No, then a lot of people, I, and, I, and again, that's not, that's no. not perfect either. But you could start there. No, maybe. Yes, was, yeah. was Blades of Steel really ahead of its time? We, I mean, yes, I understand the momentum that comes with fighting, and you want to rally your guys up. 
But how much of a momentum driver can it be that if you lose the fight, you put yourself in a worse so, position? So what's your? let's look at this from the reverse angle, which is, so now you have people who are more hell-bent on winning the fight and makes it even more violent. Now, <laughs> we can't That's be true. looking to Blades That's of true. Steel. That's true. We can't be looking to Blades of Steel, a 1989 video game, for solutions for the current uh, issue of fighting in hockey. Why the hell not? I mean, they had shootouts. Okay, we'll give them one thing. Time. Someone, someone was playing it in the office. I'm sure some. I'm sure someone at the league office knows what Blades of Steel is. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think enough people would. You know what, though? That, that, that brings me to this, because I know you tweeted out on the weekend about yeah. uh, Football Manager. Yes. Which, for people that are soccer, soccer fans in North America, uh, football everywhere else, uh, this is a game where you get to basically be the general manager of a team. You put them together. And then you kind of watch it all unfold. And you asked the question on Twitter, what's the hockey equivalent of football manager? Where can I sit down and where can I be Lou Lamorello or Kyle Dubas or whatever and construct a roster and go? So you obviously got a ton of replies. Was there a consensus? Like what's the what's the best place for a, a hockey fan who wants to do the simulated general manager thing? What's What's the best place for them to go? So the consensus seems to be a game called Eastside Hockey Manager. Very quickly when I looked it up, uh, it was just like a, it seems like it is the closest equivalent to football manager where you can take control of the team, uh, do scouting, uh, take control of rosters, trades, all of that. Uh, the most of the replies were from there. My, my good buddy at, uh, at uh, La Presse Canadienne, uh, Alexis B. Champagne, uh, wrote me, my friend, you need Eastside Hockey Manager, steep learning curve. And you need mods for up-to-date rosters. They're all there on Steam. But I probably sunk over a 1,000 hours in that game over its different versions over the years. Uh, I think the last one that they put out was like in 2015. But if, if, if it looks as if that they have mods that can update the rosters, that's probably doable. And then, he, and then he finishes and says, the original was made by one Finnish guy in the early 2000s. The company behind Football Manager eventually hired him to do Eastside Hockey Manager for them, which kind of makes sense because I think the logo... The older lo the logo for Eastside Hockey Manager is very similar to the old style logo for the game Football Manager. Gotcha. Uh, too bad they gave up on the game eventually, but the community has kept it alive. I think Sean Gentelli did a story about a group of mods that uh, constantly updated. I want to say NHL 2004, and they constantly updated rosters and gameplay. So I guess it's kind of similar to that. But yeah, I think Eastside Hockey Manager. That's the there's that game and franchise hockey manager. Those seems to those seem to be the two games that are the closest to football manager. Like I I've never I'm not I'm not gonna act like I'm a general manager extraordinaire, but I do appreciate the opportunity to simulate that experience, even if you don't necessarily get to play out those games. And it's probably better that way too. You want to see that your decisions are actually good enough to make your team good as opposed to you doing everything you can, like in EA Sports NHL, where you do everything you can, and then you go play the game, and then you run up the score like 10 nothing every game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love playing the game. I, I understand the appeal of doing the the general manager thing. I, I just don't, I don't think I could do it. I, I'd rather play the game and uh, uh, do that, but it's cool, right? Like, I, I think it's really neat to see uh, how football managers just exploded in the last few years, and yeah, I figured there'd be a good hockey equivalent. Dude, it's like football manager as a simulator. Like the times I've gotten to play it, 
it's so realistic. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like even if you go to like MLS and you play as an MLS team, like you're able to you're able to do the whole like general allocated money, targeted allocated money, uh draft picks, like it's it's scarily like very it's just so it, realistic. It's realistic and in depth and it's like overwhelming yeah. at times, but I very much want the experience of, of that. So I was just really curious. I was already like tweeting about flame stuff. And then I noticed a few people were replying, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm here. I'm technically not really supposed to be like tweeting, but like, you know, I just want to see how if if people are going to come up with a with a solution to that. So I was just bored. I just wanted to see what's going on. I might still take up uh, that game. Probably want to get back to to Calgary and hang out and try to yeah. go MIA for a couple weeks. Yeah, gotcha. Um, hey, just to put a bow on, we were talking about you know best birthdays and you know kind of Bedard today. You had your great movie theater uh, story. I had Nintendo. Uh, a couple things I want to pass on for you and the listener. I looked it up because I thought, yeah. like, what player in NHL history has had the best birthday ever? And I thought, mm. okay. So I looked it up. There's been 14 instances in NHL history where a guy scored a hat trick on his birthday. Okay? 14, it's happened 14 times. Uh, not surprisingly, Wayne Gretzky has uh, did it two times. Gretzky scored a hat trick on his birthday two times. Only guy to ever do it. No surprise there. But then I started to look a little deeper and I thought, Julian, did has anybody scored a hat trick on their birthday in the playoffs? That would oh. be that would be elite, right? Yes. It's never happened. It's never mm-hmm. nobody has ever scored a uh a hat trick in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So then I I looked a little further and I found this. There's only one player in NHL history. To score four goals in a game on his birthday. And that player is... Oh, I want to guess it. I want to guess it. Oh, you, how, how many players have played? You're never going to... If you guess this, I am going to... I will I will offer to ghostwrite six Calgary Flames stories for you over the course of the next year. Where you're just... You know what? Here's some quotes, Ian. You do the story for me. My numbers might actually go up if you do that. Okay. So right now, I will ghostwrite six stories for you I'm if you can rando guess this guy. Okay. I want like at and least And I want like, to see both your hands in the air right now because otherwise I feel like you could be Googling this. Okay. That's fair. So here we go. But, uh, but like I want at least like – give me like three hints. No. <laughs> not- give me at least something. Like I want to guess it. I don't want to just like guess like – like I need something. Okay. A famous mustache. That's all you're getting. This guy was famous mustache. I mean, that could be anybody. I mean, there's one person that comes to mind, but like, I don't want to just throw that person's name out there. Let's go. Famous mustache. That's your only hint. That's a very, I've just narrowed it down. I know if Sean McIndoe was doing this pod with me, he said, well, now that's every guy who played in the 80s. That's literally that. (laughs) <laughs> okay, then I'm just going to go with the first person that comes to my head and Lanny McDonald. Okay, no dice. Uh, good guess. Lanny McDonald did actually score a hat trick on his birthday. One, I believe one of the 13 guys to do it. Only guy to ever get four goals on his birthday, Paul McClain. Oh, the Paulrus, as we like to call him in Ottawa. No. The Paulrus. Uh, Paul McClain. Four goals. Here's the interesting I thing. I would have probably guessed him because I knew he played. And I know he has a famous mustache. And I knew Lenny McDonald was too easy of a and guess. And you had six, like, three crap. stories written. 
Oh, oh and you just blew it. Crap. So here's the thing on Paul McClain. Uh, he scores four goals in a game on his birthday. He actually scores four goals in the first two periods of the game. Okay? For Winnipeg. And the game ends in a tie. How? Because it was pre-shootout, uh, pre, uh, right? Like, so oh the game... My. Girl. No, it's game, not the fact that it's a tie, but like, how do you score? That would, nothing would six, make more time. If you were a good enough player, you scored four goals in the game, you just looked at the rest of your team, they can't keep up, and they're allowing yep. six goals. Come yep. on. Six, six, six tie. Imagine, like, how would you feel if on your birthday you scored four goals, but your team didn't win? That, I know the coach I know the coach couldn't get mad at me. The coach couldn't get mad at me. If the coach was all like, oh, you guys could have done this better, I would have been like, I scored four goals. I did my job. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And by the way, worst. Like, okay. So I think Paul McClain might have had the best birthday ever. Again, Connor Bedard might be in the conversation with his multi-million dollar deal today. Unequivocally, the worst birthday in hockey history belongs to former Edmonton defenseman Steve Smith. Who no, don't tell on, me he scored that goal on his birthday. On his twenty, either his twenty-second or twenty-third birthday. Steve Smith scored into his own net in a game seven to lose, <laughs> to, lose. To, to Calgary, the arch rival at the time. You lose. Imagine on your birthday. Still arch rival, technically. Yeah. But like, imagine, like, like, there's not a worse birthday. Like, you can't script a worst birthday in the sports world in the history of sports. And if somebody can find a worst sports related, uh, birthday that something happened on the field, on the ice, whatever, playing surface, find it for me. But scoring into your own net to lose a series, to, su- to lose a game seven over time, I'm not sure you're going to beat that. Like, I'm sure there have been guys in the history of the NHL who have played a deciding game in the Stanley Cup final on their birthday and lost. But, like, how many of those guys directly influenced? A game, no, whether in the final or the playoffs, like like Steve Smith, like that's. I didn't realize I was on his birthday. I've seen the highlight over and over, but like that is tough. Well, for Oilers fans anyway, Flames fans love that. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Anyway, yeah, feel for Steve Smith. So if anybody can find a worst birthday in sports, tweet at us and tweet at Julian, tweet at, uh, at me, send us an email, the Athletic Hockey Show 
at gmail.com. And you know what, Julian, speaking of that email, theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com, yeah. man, we got a ton of emails Thank to you. get to. And, and some fun, you know, some fun stuff, not unlike what Haley and Sean did on Friday. It's We're kind of in that part of the news cycle. Things are a little bit quiet. So, you know, outside of Bedard signing on Monday, there's not a ton to get to. But let, let, let's have a little bit of fun here. Uh, James has tweeted at us and said, next summer, the NHL should put on a rivalry best-on-best international tournament. Best of seven, and the games would be held in each of the countries, and the tournament would go as follows. Canada-USA, Sweden versus Finland, Czechia versus Slovakia, Germany versus Switzerland. That's from James. Who says no is what he wants to know. NHL puts this together, best on best, seven-game series. What do you say? As long as we have the Russia conflict going on, we are never truly going to have even, I mean, there are other factors, but like, I feel like in terms of having a best on best, like we're not going to ever really truly have anything like that. But if this is the best that we can do, the game's being held in each country. You have it in the summer. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. I feel like for maybe, maybe I'm just like a, a purist in that sense, but like we need best on best in some capacity. I just know that like this might come across as a bit more gimmicky, but if this is the best that we can do, maybe this is it. I'm really just, just to be honest here, and maybe this is, is a bit disrespectful to some of the other countries, you could just do a Canada-USA series because these two teams should be the two biggest powers in the world. Like USA, they keep getting better and better players. And I'll tell you what, if we had like a summit series style thing with Canada versus the United States, that would be a really interesting talking point for a good couple of days. And you get to see how close or maybe how far the gap is between those two countries. You get to see Connor McDavid playing at the senior men's level uh, and 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 the amount of talent that the United States would have. Like, I, I, I don't even, like, with all due respect to Sweden, Finland, Czechia, Slovakia, Germany, Switzerland, I don't think you need all of those countries. I would be totally okay with Canada versus the United States in a summit series style event where you just pit the two countries against each other with their best players and you go from there until we are able to bring back the World Cup of Hockey or we're able to bring back the Olympics. I think that would, for me, and especially if you're going to do it in the summer when guys should be taking time off, like that's already a creative thing you kind of have to put together. But if you do like, it doesn't even have to be seven games. You could do like best of three or something. It's like a preseason, preseason best on best event. I've always said, here's my idea for this. If you're going to do Canada, USA, alternate the games between the men's and the women's program. We did and say keep this, it, yes. Keep it like Canada versus USA and game one, maybe it's the women and you look out there, there's there's Connor McDavid cheering, you know, from the stands, cheering on Mary-Philippe Poulin and game two, uh, it's the men that are playing and now maybe Canada's down in the series, one nothing because the American women beat the Canadian. So now the men have to turn around and win game two to kind of, and do that. Do that in a best of five or six or seven or eight or whatever it is. Uh, and or, you know, if you do an even number uh, of games, then maybe you'd go on aggregate for score or whatever. Or like, I, I just think there's an opportunity. That really we cool we talk about ways of trying to uh, enhance or amplify the women's game. 
why not try and fold it in to try to get more eyeballs on them in a non-Olympic situation where as a Canadian or an American, you're probably super invested in, hey, I want to see us win this best of seven. And so I'm going to tune in. And guess what? The men won game two. So now let's hope the women win game three or what? Like, why not? Right? Like, I, anyway, that that's my crazy idea. I, I think I think your idea, I forget which episode we discussed that, but I would be yes. super down with that. You get these teams in uh, to uh, compete against each other. And you unite this, uh, the the senior men's and the women's teams, or if you want to expand it and, and add like Paralympic teams, I don't know. Like you make it a really big hockey event between Canada and the United States. Like I, I would, I would love that. That would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ideas, Scott Wheeler, who does such a great job writing about prospects uh, for the athletics, Scott Wheeler weighed in this weekend, Julian, on the idea of the midseason tournament in the NHL. Yes. So. We've talked about the NBA. They're going to an in-season tournament just to try and make those games in November feel like they mean something and yeah, just create something different. I, You and I like the idea. We've talked about this. Love How it. could the NHL do it? Here's the idea from Scott Wheeler. I want to hear what you and the listeners think of this. Scott Wheeler tweeted out on the weekend, quote, if we're talking about a mid-season tournament in the NHL, I'd like to propose that it be a national tournament. The seven Canadian teams are competing for a national trophy. The 25 teams in the United States, they can go March Madness style for one of their own. It's the surest way to get fans to care. Scott Wheeler's idea. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, I say thumbs up. I mean, it's very similar to what happens in Major League Soccer where, well, North American soccer, really, because uh, the American teams have, I think, the U.S. Open Cup. And then in Canada, they have the Canadian Championship. So all the Canadian teams, not just in MLS, but uh, in the Canadian Premier League, also get involved in a, in a tournament like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. And I understand that, you know, the Stanley Cup is the holy grail. But especially in Canada, where we have not seen a team win any sort of significant trophy of that ilk in the last little while, I think that would be a pretty cool thing to do. Like... I, I think that'd be pretty awesome. I wonder how it would work in, in the American style where you're doing that March Madness bracket. I still think if you find a way just to use uh, regular season games and you don't add on any extra ones and tire out the players more, that, that definitely helps. It would definitely be easier in the context of Canadian teams. I don't know if you take all the Canadian matchups and go from there and figure out like you know which Canadian team against each other has the best record. Yeah, and then you award them. What would be a tro- what would be a good trophy name for a Canadian style domestic tournament? Like, Ter- like Terry we- Fox Cup, Terry Fox Trophy, oh, Terry Fox Cup, good, something like that. Yes. Yeah, the Terry you Fox know? Trophy or the Terry Fox Cup, where the seven Canadian teams all compete in a round robin style tournament, and the Canadian team with the best record against Canadian teams by the end of the season wins the Terry Fox Cup. Or if you have to get to a point where you can do like a knockout style thing uh, where maybe in the final third of the year, uh, the the four four of the seven best teams compete in a one-game elimination style. The winner of that plays against each other for the Terry Fox Cup or the Terry Fox Trophy. Yeah, I something like that. Like something like that. I for like maybe, I like that idea. I think Scott's onto something with that. I think that's cool. I just here. I just gotta say something with this, and maybe I've said it before, but the people who don't want 
some kind of in-season tournament or don't want to add anything extra to make the regular season more interesting, it sort of baffles me. We all sort of understand that when it gets to November, December, maybe even January, February, those are some of the more dead months of an NHL season. We're just coming off a year where the presumably best team to ever do in the regular season got dummied in the first round, essentially rendering the regular season meaningless, considering the team that dummied them needed a butterfly effect style win from Chicago over Pittsburgh to make the playoffs in the first place and then go to the final, which I love. And I think that's really cool to have that. And there should be nothing that replaces the magic of the Stanley Cup finals and the Stanley Cup. But I don't understand why people are so revolted by the idea of adding things to make the regular season matter just like a little bit more so that way we're all more interested and then the league generates more revenue and then it stops losing its foothold in in sporting society to leagues like the MLS who just welcomed Lionel Messi to its league this weekend. Like I like I like I don't know. I see it from that standpoint where if you're the NHL and you're realizing that you know, you need to find ways to make the game more appealing to young people. You need to find a way. The sport itself needs to find ways to make it more appealing uh, in terms of making it more accessible in the culture. And that's a whole other discussion in itself. But a very, maybe not easy, but one way to attack it is to look at your regular season format and see if you can make that change. The NBA is a progressive enough league, and they found a way to not only implement this tournament, but not totally disrupt the regular season in the process. Why is it that the NBA is able to do this? And maybe there are fans who are like, yeah, whatever, like who cares and all that. But we'll see how that goes with some of those games. Because the play-in games, you've seen they, they had play-in games for the playoffs, and you get some pretty good games out of that. But in the NHL, for whatever reason, at least as far as I've seen, and I'm only in the bubble that I'm in, but I just feel like I've seen so much more pushback. Like, oh, the regular season's long enough as it is. Like, what are we doing? I'm like, no, like... I think there's a unique opportunity there to make something cool out of it. And I'm just a bit surprised at how, you know, the people, uh, a lot of people I would consider to be progressive who are just kind of pushing back on this idea. I think it'd be a really fun idea if you do it right. Chris in Vegas along these lines has emailed us and says, uh, you know, in regards to the in-season tournament, there's a couple of things the NHL can do here to be creative. First of all, what if instead of the all-star game, that's when you held the semifinals and final for the in-season tournament. So get rid of the all-star game, put all the focus on the in-season tournament. And then second of all, Chris in Vegas says, and I think this is an interesting one, Julian, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. winner of the in-season tournament in the NHL receives the third overall draft pick That's in the such draft. That's interesting and, idea. But here's the caveat from... Uh, uh, from from Chris in in Vegas, who says this would be a tradable pick? Yeah, uh, meaning you take that now you've won the third overall pick, you can flip that out at the deadline and get something really good, or you could like, you know, I like it outside the box. Creative thinking is what we like. I kind of like this. I kind of like this I, idea. Imagine being like. What's a good team? Like imagine being Tampa and you win that tournament and then you are at the deadline and you want a really good player at the deadline that you can fit in your cap. Just let's imagine a world where they're able to accommodate a really good player at the deadline and they're not in like cap hell. That is such a cool idea. 
I mean, maybe some people might cry foul, but like, they, they cheated a couple years ago with the way they went around the salary cap. Now they benefit from these newfangled rules. I'm tired of how things are changing. I'm an angry grandpa yelling at the sky. Like, I think that'd be such a cool idea. You know what? By the way, Anthony has also emailed into the show. And I have to read this one just after you just did whatever. You went full Abe Simpson there. Grandpa Simpson with the old man yelling at the clouds. Uh, Anthony says, I'm going to need Julian to do more impressions of his dad on this podcast. He really nails the accent. Now. No. No. You. you, that was a one-time okay. only thing. That was man. a one-time I only thing, but I here's can't the thing. be out here impersonating my dad too much. No. I don't want to inflate the ego too much. Well, not only that, we got to let the listeners know you're back home for the week. Yes. You're in your parents' home. Yes. No, I, I don't, don't think – imagine your dad's just walking by right now and you're doing an impression of him. Nah, <laughs> that's not going to end well for you. I'm like directly above like his own like office space downstairs. And I don't know how that's going to go if I'm trying to do an impersonation of my dad. And then like my dad or my sister just come in and be like, how could you find a way to do that so wrong? That's what I'm scared of the most. It's the fact that I would try to do it. And then they hear it. It's like, no, man, that's not good. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want the embarrassment for my family that I can't impersonate my own father. Right. And especially when you're back at home. Like, Especially when I'm back in my own home. I'm, yeah. not, I'm like, I understand I have achieved a lot of success in my life, and I understand my family loves me the way that they do. It takes nothing for them to look at the balloon above my head and then pop it at the <laughs> at my own expense. It yeah. takes nothing. It did li- one little opening and the roasts just start to fly in. I don't need to open myself up to that. You know what? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, or actually on last week's pod. You attended the Calgary Stampede for the very first time in your life. And I said, man, how did you not roll in with a My First Rodeo t-shirt? Missed opportunity. Shanna has written in the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Shanna says, my brother-in-law is from Amsterdam. My brother almost got him a shirt that said, yes, this is actually my first rodeo. That's See, so, so this is, this is so an idea that's out Yeah. The rodeo. First rodeo. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. This is a tweet from, I love this handle, Wendell Clark Kent. Yes. Wendell Clark Kent. What a great Twitter a really handle. Good handle. I love it. Uh, Wendell Clark Kent has a proposition for us and for the listeners. Yes. It's an either or, would you rather situation. Okay, guys, assuming you have to do one of the following things, 
what would be better for the NHL and which would you rather watch? A 16-team NHL in which half the teams are subtracted or a 48-team NHL in which 16 teams are added? Julian, you have to do one. You either cut 16 teams or add 16 teams. There's no in-between. What are you doing? Um, I want more teams. And I get people are going to be like, oh, you're going to oversaturate the league. We're already at a point with the league where people really only care about – a lot of people like to really just care about their teams anyway. How much is adding like 16 more teams going to affect your life? You open up more opportunities for people – uh, in terms of, uh, you know, more players, I guess the quality, you have to kind of worry about that a little bit. But there's so much talent around the world of hockey that I'd have a hard time thinking the, the quality of the league would get that bad. And we'd still put ourselves in a position where the cream would still rise to the top and we'd still see the best players and the best teams get to the playoffs and and and, and ultimately win, hopefully. Or you get like a really cool story where this team that shouldn't have been there finds a way to do it. Like, I don't know why we poo-poo those stories, man. When we see teams just make it as a low seed, it's just like, oh, no. Like, and I know it's kind of ironic because they said, oh, we just saw that in the regular season. But like, that's still cool. Like, it's not, I'm not saying that's bad. It's just, it's something that just happens. It's it's cool when it, we we should like, like it's cool when it happens, you know? And like, maybe people are disappointed. It's like, oh, they, get, they end up getting beat in the Stanley Cup final in five games by a better team. But like, it's still cool when a team defies the odds and makes it work. Like it's, it's, it's still a cool story. We have to remember that. Well, I agree with you. I don't want to lose 16 teams because you're losing I don't want to lose 16 teams. Okay. But that, now let's think about this though from the other end. If we're adding 16 teams, what markets are we going to here? Uh, because obviously you're going to, you know, Houston's going to get a team and Atlanta's yes. going to get a team and Salt Lake City's going to get a team. Maybe Quebec City gets a team. But, I'm going to read off. Here's some, here's some, I have a list here of the 50 biggest cities in the United States based on their metropolitan area. Okay. So these are some cities that would be in the running to maybe have an NHL team that, that don't have one now. Obviously, I mentioned Houston. Uh, San Antonio would be in the mix. Austin, Texas would be in the mix. Jacksonville, Florida. Indianapolis. Uh, El Paso, Texas. So a lot of Texas. Uh, there would have to be a Texas flavor to this. But there's a couple here that I think are really interesting. How about this? What about the 32nd largest city in America? Julian, put your hands together for Al- uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Albuquerque. We could maybe get a team in Omaha, Wichita. So uh, imagine what? those. Like, teams. But that, Okay. We would have to have two teams in Toronto. What about the Dakotas? Like 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 put a team in in like North Dakota, yeah. Like or or one of like a, a yeah like one of those areas. Jeez, see this is the problem now. Now I now I'm starting to lean towards sixteen teams instead of forty eight. <laughs> so you're not trying to. So if you get that opportunity to travel, you're not going to to Bismarck, Bismarck, uh, Bismarck. South Dakota, or is that North Dakota? I don't know. Which North Dakota is Fargo? Yeah, Fargo's in North Dakota. Fargo's no. in North Dakota. I've been to Fargo. I've never uh, Bismarck. I, I don't know. Bismarck sounds too close to Bismarck Key for me. By the way, by the way, Mark Lazarus. Shout out, Mark. Noted contributor to the Athletic Hockey Show. 
has responded to your tweet, and I, you know what? He might have a this lot year. of a lot of people have responded to that tweet about you what tweeted the best out theme song in show. What's the best show. theme song for a kids show? And I said Arthur was a one seed, but step aside and give some respect to Ducktales. Here, here's uh, what I'm thinking. Ducktales is right in there. Here's what I'm thinking has to happen. When we eventually put together the bracket, I th- I think you have to have a side that's like early 2000s, 21st century stuff. And yep. then you have the other side that's like DuckTales era, like pre-2000. I think yep. you need to do that. Yeah. Arthur's got to be in that 2000 to 2010 range, right? 90 when years. did Arthur start as a show? Because that's like pretty close as like a... So that Arthur's... started in 1996. So that yeah, technically, yeah. if we do that, that would be a pre... Oh. That'd be a pre-2000 show. Ooh, we have to Arthur, figure that out. Arthur gets caught in the late 90s. The dead... Arthur came around the dead puck era of the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> when the Devils and the Florida Panthers were running amok. That's when Arthur... Oh, no, Arthur man. He's going to have to fend for itself. Oh, man. Uh, a couple of other emails that we'll get to and, and notes from, from, from listeners. Again, the Athletic Hockey Show at, uh, at gmail.com. Uh, Ari in Finland uh, tweeted at us, Julian, and said... I grew up watching hockey in the 1990s through highlights here in Finland. As kids, I recall debating which defenseman was better, Al McInnes or Ally Afraidy. Was there actually a competition between them, or was this just created here in Finland because of the hardest shot competitions? That's from Ari in Finland. And I can tell you this because at the time that this was going on, this would have been the pre-Arthur. Like, this would have been, like, 1991, 92. Yeah, this is before Ari, I can tell you, I don't recall ever that those two defensemen were being compared to each other on any level other than the shot. Now, the shot, absolutely. There was a a conversation to be had, late 80s, early 90s. But Al McKinnis was always the guy who had the reputation of the hardest shot. Yeah. But Ally Afraidy rolled into one of those all-star games, I think in Chicago, and knocked everybody's uh, socks off. So, yes, I think that they would have been in that discussion now, uh, at the time, sorry, of being who had the hardest shot. But Al McKinnis was a Norris Trophy kind of winning defenseman, Stanley Cup champion. Ally Afraidy, Ally Afraidy was more of kind of a, a little bit more of a one-dimensional, super talented guy, like super talented defenseman, but never in the same stratosphere. As Al McKinnis. Now it has to be thinking this though. Like if we ask people yeah, like today, a weird hairpiece. Yeah, the skullet, we called it. Because you could see he was balding and he had a mullet, the skullet. That was Ally Afraidy. Look, I'm, you know what? If it works for you, sir, it, it works it, for you. Do your thing. Do your thing. Uh like if we ask people today, like who has the like back in the 90s, it was on like no questions asked. Al McKinnis had the hardest shot, nobody debated it. If we ask people today who has the hardest shot in hockey, what's the answer? Is there a guy that has definitively the hardest shot in hockey that we all feel like, yeah, that guy's shot's the best? I don't know. I'm, I'm Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, I feel like, like Austin Matthews to me has the best release, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's got like the heaviest shot, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I mean, Elias Pedersen, I, I like his 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 shooting and like he won the he won the hardest shot uh, this year at the at the uh, at the All Star game. Yeah, yeah. And Victor Hedman won last year. 
But you're right. It's not like, okay, you won through the competition, but like we can't think of anybody who is present. Well, technically, this person has not retired yet. But if they were still playing, we'd probably say it's Shea Weber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Great. Yeah, great. Shea Weber would be like if Shea Weber was still playing, we'd all be like, okay, Shea Weber has the hardest shot in the league. Like there are stories of like, of like how would Shea Weber's shot has like done to like opposing players. Wasn't there a guy that got hit by a Shea Weber shot like a bunch of times? I'm trying to think like what the. Yeah, like uh, there's a website. Okay, I found a list, I think. Oh my God, there's an entire list of players who have been injured by Shea Weber's slap shot. Oh, it's, it's, it's a crazy list, right? Like Brendan, like his own teammates have been there, like Brendan yeah. Gallagher, Max Pacioretty, uh, Marc Edouard Vlasic, uh, Eric Nystrom, Tyler Myers, Matt Hendricks, Cody Cece, David Poyle, Jordan Tutu, Martin Erat. Hold on, stop, stop, stop. Hold on. Did you just say David Poyle? Yep, David Poyle's is, on this list. Well, how is his? What is this from? I don't remember David this. David Poyle is on Wait, this list. Did he, did he shatter the glass at a practice and hit David Poyle? Is that what happened? I I I, I think I I I'm trying to think like how you just like, you just why? listed all these people and casually dropped David Poyle in there as if he was a player. What, what happened with Shane wow. Weber and David so, Poyle? So did he hit the glass? So shout out to the homie. I found a very old story from USA Today in 2014, and it's written by uh, by my good homie of ours, uh, Josh Cooper. Uh, Predators USA GM David Poyle hospitalized as after puck hits face. What? Uh, Why don't I remember hit. this? I, I don't remember this, but it was it was he was hit while standing in the hallway behind the Predators bench during Thursday morning during a skate in 2014 before a game against the Wild. Um, I'm trying to see if it outright says that Weber hit him. It says that like he he stood over the stretcher. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. maybe that story is not entirely clear that he's the one who did it, but maybe he is the one who did it. I don't know. Like that is... That is really wild. Like that. Is, like that's that's nuts. I mean, it, it might it might be that. Like that's he injured his eye. I think that's yeah. it. You know, I I remember that. Now that you're saying it, I remember him. Uh, I remember this happening. I just I don't remember it being a Shea Weber shot. It might have been. It might have been somebody else, and it might be maybe there's another instance of this. But like, I, I think all that to say, uh, Shea Weber having the hardest shot. Uh, if he were still actively playing today, we would say it's him. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't know who has the mantle uh, from him right now with Weber. Yeah, it's not really that like distinct. Like no one yeah, really is like a shot that's like okay, like wow, like we gotta. No one's gotta look around and like okay, we gotta look out for the boom. Maybe like Flair Flames fans were listening, saying like Michael Stone could have been it, but like I don't know. I don't think it's it's not that obvious right now. Yeah. Uh, this email comes in for oh, sorry, this is a tweet from Ozzy. By the way, I love that. I love that name, Ozzy. Like, I feel like Ozzie, that is yeah. an underrated name. We need more Aussies in the world. Uh, Ozzy says, do you guys find it strange? Kyle Dubas, when he was in Toronto, was really pressed to break up the core four. They weren't mm -hmm. getting it done. Now he's in Pittsburgh. He's being pressed to keep them together, even though they haven't gotten it done in recent years. To me, Pittsburgh feels like the 2017-28 Chicago team, a collapse in progress. Comes in from Ozzy. I mean... I think the one thing I will say is, yes, absolutely. 
Kyle Dubas has come into Pittsburgh with a very clear mission, which is try to squeeze a little bit more, uh, get a little bit more juice out of that thing. And yeah. they got Malkin, they got Sid, they got Latang. This is the this is the end of the road for them, right? Like I I don't see this being a four year competitive cycle for them. I mean, if everything falls into place, I still think Sid, when he's playing at his highest level, is a top five center in the game. I think Malkin, when he's playing at his highest level and is healthy, is a top 15 center in the game when it's all working. Latang is dynamite. Uh, but, I mean, I, do you feel like they're – like, I mean, they missed the playoffs. Are they headed for the Chicago fall off a cliff here? Can they, el- can they be the LA Kings and kind of – Rebuild this thing on the fly. I don't know. I don't. I like. I can't see a scenario where even if everything goes right, they don't win more than once. Like, like when you really think about how good some of the other teams have been around the league and how they've built themselves up, I cannot envision and how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup and how hard it is to repeat and win a Stanley Cup. And I get that the Pittsburgh Penguins have done that. Yeah, but like, I don't see a scenario where even if everything goes right they squeeze out more than a cup than one cup with this roster and everything would have to go right. Like they have to get the right guys to fill around them. Their goaltending actually has to let, keep them up instead of letting them down, which has actually let them down over the last few playoff runs. You have to have health work out for you. You're probably going to have to have a few teams like a Vegas, for example, just get upset before they even make the Stanley cup final. Like I think you need a lot to go right. And even then, like, I don't know, you're, you're basically banking on, father time to just hold off on the Pittsburgh Penguins for like five years. I, I don't see a scenario where even I don't see a scenario where they win more than one cup. So like the fact that they're trying to squeeze out all that, like, wow, like that's, I don't know. You're, you go into these teams with the, with the idea of being competitive for a very long time. And while I, I get that the Penguins are trying their best to do that, like there's a lot of good teams out there across the national hockey league. And it's, it's so hard to repeat year in, year out. Like, how much more are they going to like, is it a success if they get like it? I mean, it's probably is a success if they just get the one at all, but like how much more can they get from that? How much more juice can you squeeze from that? But I mean, the difference I think between the, the Pittsburgh core and the Toronto core is that the Pittsburgh core has won three titles together, right? At they least won, yeah. they won in 09. They won in 16. They won in won 17. 17. So you could understand, even though father time is, is, you know, feels like, Father Time has his foot on the accelerator. It's uh, undefeated. With, with this thing. Yeah, Father Time is undefeated. Father Time is the 72 Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Like every year you, Father every Time year you think every year you think you're about to beat that and then something crazy happens but, and you hear the champagne getting getting clicked but, but when you win three titles together, I understand the allure of trying to win a fourth. Uh whereas in Toronto, they haven't even kind of gotten over that hump to so I understand, but it's a it's a great point, great question, um, and I think I, I put Pittsburgh at the top of my list. If you if you asked people like who are the 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 the, the five most interesting teams to watch in the NHL this season, mm. Pittsburgh's on my list. Like brand new general manager, and I mean they would rocket to number one if EK sixty five rolls into town. If Eric man, somehow man. ends up it's in Pittsburgh, at that they, point. I mean, they it's already become, Boston. man. They become must see TV, and they become the most interesting team to me in the entire NHL. If they get Eric Carlson, and if they don't, they're still a top five intriguing team because 
you got Sid and Gino and Latang. But also, like, how how do they get? How do they even get Eric Carlson? They don't, I don't even know if they have the like. I don't know if they have the assets to make that work. Like, I don't know how they do it. There's got to be some salary retention and all that. Like, they'd have to be super creative. Yeah, super super creative. Uh, I have no idea. Like, I, I wish I was an expert enough to know. Like, like looking at their. I don't know. I maybe Rob, Rob Rossi and Josh Joe would be better at that, but like I still don't know how you're going to you're gonna have to flip away your 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 roster, some roster players. You're gonna have to flip away a, a prospect somewhere. Like I mean, that's another thing too. Like I get that like Eric Carlson has the contract that he has, but he's coming off a North Trophy. Like Mike Greer is not going into a negotiation just thinking, all right, whatever. Just we need to, we're not doing just an explicit cap dump. He wants something for Eric Carlson. There's a yeah. reason why this has taken so long. Last uh, email that I'm going to read here before we wrap up the show. Eric right. wants to know, how are you guys doing in Pukdoku? Oh. An or- original six Pukdoku. How'd you do on that one? What's your best, lowest, uniqueness, uh, uniqueness score so far? So I guess we should. First of all, are you playing Pukdoku? Um, I haven't played the last few days, but I have played a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, the lowest score, I can find it here. The lowest score I've been able to get is 93, and that was like over a week ago. 93. 93 is um, the lowest one. I, I got my lowest one was 17. That's really good. Yeah, I, like, I, was, I, I, haven't, I haven't managed to get down to that level yet, but like I'm, I know I will. Yeah. That's it, you know, McIndoo, Sean McIndoo, down goes Brown, he's trying to get a uniqueness score under 10. That's his goal. I'm like, have at it. It's really hard. So I actually did fairly well on that original six one because I went with some old school. Like, I think this game is catered to people like in my age yeah. demographic. Like if, if you're in your 40s, you're going to have an infinitely better, unless you're like a super, and there are lots of people in their 20s and 30s or teens that are like big hockey historians. I get that. But the game is catered to kind of the 40 and up crowd, which is you remember the 90s. So you can remember those little random, oh, that guy played for Buffalo in Tampa. Like I, yeah. I went with a guy named John Tucker who played for Buffalo in Tampa in the 90s. I would say 98% of listeners, maybe 99% of listeners have no clue who John Tucker is. I have Tucker no idea is. who that is. Yeah, and I don't expect you to. Random guy. And I was like, oh yeah, he played in Buffalo in Tampa. And guess what? The score was 0.1% when I put him oh in. So, God. but and I, I I put this out the other day. This was this was cool for me. I did Puck Doku on Saturday, and yeah. the, one of the teams was Minnesota and the Rangers. Had to find somebody who played for Minnesota and the Rangers. I'm like, ah, I'm gonna go with Todd White. He played for Ottawa for years. So I put Whitey in there, 0.1%. I'm like, I love it. I take a screen grab of it and I send it to him. I said, hey. I used you as my first Paktoku answer today because we trade Paktoku scores all the time. Oh, and, cool. and, uh, and and he's laughing. And then later that day, I was golfing with a bunch of people. He was part of it. And that was my partner. It was white. Yeah. And I said, I think I might be the only person to have used somebody as a Paktoku answer and then golf with them that same day. That's pretty wild. I'm not saying that people haven't used p- people as a Paktoku answer and then golf with them at some point. That's obviously happened. But to be able to use that guy on the same day, I feel like that's, it's rarefied. That's pretty balling. Yeah. That's pretty balling. That was that's good. 
I like that. I don't know how people are going to get such a unique. How do you get a low unique score when you have expansion teams like Seattle, like like today's is? So like, Seattle and Vegas would be really hard because like really let's say hard. let's say it would be uh, uh, Vegas and Florida, and you have to and you're like, wow, well, it, it'll be Marcheseau or Riley Smith or and and the answers will be like forty percent, right? Yeah, like so that'll be the tricky one. Yeah, like today, like today's is has Seattle in it. And I'm like, I literally put in a player who played for Seattle and Pittsburgh. And the person I well, put Jared in. Well, Jared McCann's going to be the one that everybody puts, right? It's like 45%. It's like, <laughs> what are we going to do? I guess I got to be more creative, but like, it's not impossible, I guess. But like, come on. Like, what am I? Oh, you know, I could have probably. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to get in the business of of saying random names, you know, just to give people more ideas, but also like, I'm like actively thinking of like people who probably could have worked with that. And no, you know what? I almost wondered if like Jamie Alexiak played for Seattle and Pittsburgh. Uh, I think so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so that would have actually worked. That actually would have worked better. Yeah, Alexiak played in Pittsburgh for sure. I'm I'm just a dummy. <laughs> no, but but even even Alexiak would probably be at thirty percent. Like there's he, only probably four. He works for another one at like nine. You know what? You know what? Who might be an option? Daniel? Did Daniel Sprong? He played in Seattle, right? He did. He so did. He played maybe, in. He played in Pittsburgh and Seattle, actually. So that he Daniel Sprong, maybe. Daniel Sprong would have worked. But still, he's probably at ten percent. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's still like difficult to do. Like totally. it's my my uniqueness score is going to be in the triple digits again. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, with Seattle, that's. Uh, that's pretty much destined to happen. All right, look, we said we didn't have much to get to, and we just ripped through an hour. And next week, we're going to come back with a definitive update on what the the, the people have said on the best children's uh, theme song. Because I'm telling you, DuckTales is getting traction. Fraggle, old school Fraggle Rock, Fraggle Rock. is getting some traction. Power, Rangers, Power Rangers, uh, you know, we got a lot of. Oh, we we're gonna, we're gonna put the other up. bracket. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna do this right because we're getting yep. a lot of good ones, and I think we're gonna be we're gonna get some we're gonna do this right. We're gonna set up brackets. It's gonna be like Arthur's the number one seed in the Northeast. Number <laughs> <laughs> one. Okay. What at this point you could probably pencil in our dark our Ducktales and Arthur du- like yeah Ducktales is a solid one, one seed. Arthur's a one seed. I think Sesame Seeds a one seed. Uh, Sesame, Sesame Seeds a one seed. Also, like, like, what about SpongeBob? What about the Fairly Odd Parents? Like, Fairly Odd Parents. That's a good show. I mean, was that Canadian? I think that's a Canadian show. No, it's not a Canadian show. Neither of the shows are Canadian. You, you know what show I loved? And wrap it up here. Yeah. I loved watching with my kids because it had enough adult humor that it was gold. Was Phineas and Ferb. Oh my god. I, and the theme song is pretty clutch too. Yeah, like, Bowling for Soup. Uh the band Bowling for yeah, Soup. Bowling for Soup. That's a that is a high tier like Bowling for Soup is 1985, right? They do in 1985. That's I like Bowling for Soup. They also have uh for those who remember playing NHL 2004, uh they have the song that's on that game Punk Rock 101. My brain just remembers that. Song. Yeah. But Phineas and Ferb, uh, very good show. Very good show. I love yeah. seeing the memes nowadays where people are acting like uh, 
Like, what do they do when they come across, like, Perry the Platypus, and they see, like, they just have someone randomly playing the role of Perry, but he's not wearing a hat, and then they oh. put on, puts on that, and like, the Platypus! Like, I love that show. That's a great... Oh, I gotta say, though, great your, your impression of your dad is better than it is of Doofenshmirtz. Yeah, I don't know. My, my voice is still not 100%. You, you gotta get <laughs> your on that one. Uh, I love it. All right. We want to hear from everybody. Hit us up, The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Monday episode of the pod. Follow us on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Leave us a rating review. We appreciate that. You can follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show right now. Get a one year subscription to the athletic for $2 a month. When you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show. Of course. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.